Good evening. Good to see ya. Enjoy the rain today? Yeah. <laughs> get to rain uh get to enjoy some more tomorrow. And the next day and the next day. Yeah, get some things done inside. Yeah. Nice. God gets to put on a little bit of a, a different kind of a display of uh, His work, doesn't He? Especially with the thunder and the lightning. What a good God He is. He gives us whatever we need, what or what He knows we need at the right time. <laughs> there's a real quick. I just thought of this. There's a, a Glenn Clark uh, song, uh, and we did that in your will Sunday. He does things whenever it's not always the best convenient for us because when it really comes down to it, um, we have a lot to be thankful for at that time when we really realize just the little small things turn out to be big. Anyway, uh, we're going to be in chapter 5 of Nehemiah tonight. We did uh, 3 and 4 last week. And, uh, of course, we see that Nehemiah is not really in for smooth sailing as he does this work uh, for uh, actually the Lord. Um, he's rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem along with the people that are there. And if you look in chapter 3, though, it seemed like things were going really good. You know, they were getting things together and getting that, that wall built up. And then we got into chapter 4 and we see that uh, they had some challenges. The enemy the actual enemies would uh, actually bring on opposition in a way that um, seems like it would take a, a step back, but they figured out how to handle the opposition. And, of course, the, the sword and the trowel, we think of that, you know, as uh, they are building at the same time, they're ready to defend. And, of course, the attacks kept coming, whether it be by words uh, where uh, you know a, a verbal conflict maybe that they had or other things, but when we get into chapter five, now we see a different kind of conflict, and it's conflict from within, of all places. To have that, it's enough to have conflict from from the enemy that we expect, but then when it comes from inside, uh, then we have to. Uh, look to see, uh, hey, what's wrong here? What can we do? <laughs> How do we change this? And what's going to be centering around here are the complaints and the complaints of the uh, the, the poorer Jews uh, against the wealthier Jews. And either the wealthier Jews were ignoring the desperate situation and the, all the needs that the people had uh, or they were just making those needs just worse uh, as it went on. And actually what you really see is uh, exploitation and... Uh, whenever you're being exploited like this and, and being used in a way that's demeaning from the people that would be the most, uh, you would think, that would be able to help you. And uh, it didn't turn out that way. 
So they made things really bad. Also, you have a famine that's going on inside the land. So everybody that owned property, if you if you were running out of money or it had already run out of money, you were forced to mortgage your fields, uh, your grapevines, your vineyards, uh, just your houses, and we see even children were being sold off into slavery. And this is to their own people. This is inside their own uh, land. Um, others had to borrow just to pay taxes to the government. Uh, so is this the government to the king? This would be the king. Okay. Way back where Nehemiah had been. Right. And of course, he taxes the people. And of course, if you own land, right. they're going to tax you. <laughs> and if you don't have any money, and you've had a famine, and you really don't have, and you haven't really had enough time to even tend to the fields if you had anything going there at all because you've had to build the wall. So you see some pretty uh, tough things that are going on. And when they had to sell their children into slavery, that's absolutely despicable that that would have to happen. And the thing is, that shouldn't have happened because the Mosaic Law provided that that should never happen, that uh, the Jews would never have slavery uh, in within their own people. Now, it could be he had uh, written that um, you could have slaves if they were foreigners, but not within uh, their own people. And um, matter of fact, if you looked in Exodus twenty two twenty five, if you lend money to my people, to the poor among you, you are not to act as a creditor to him. You shall not charge him interest. So that's right in the law. That's that's a law that they, they should have known that if you lend somebody money, you don't charge interest. That's just the way it is. Now that sounds amazing in our times that we're we're in, but that was to, you know, uh, uh a special time. That was to, to God's people and, and that's a pretty good thing. He's talking about to the poor, don't try to exact more out of them. Uh, they're already having a hard enough time and, and uh that's the, the kind of thought that they should have had in Deuteronomy chapter 23. So we look in God's Word and here's, here's what He set forth. When you get into the land, here's what I want you to do and what not to do, right? And of course, when you have disobedience to God's law, you run into situations that are not good. The 23.19 says, You shall not charge interest to your countrymen. Interest on money, food, or anything that may be loaned at interest. You may charge interest to a foreigner, but to your countrymen you shall not charge interest so that the Lord your God may bless you in all that you undertake in the land which you're about to enter to possess. So, uh, there it is. I, I think it's pretty straightforward. And this is what they were doing. By the way, they were not only charging interest. I mean, it, the interest, I think, uh, the, where it says there's the hundredth part um, means one percent per month, which is how much a year? Twelve percent. You go twelve months. That's twelve percent. That's pretty. That's pretty steep. And uh, you know, so you have heartless businessmen and putting in their own financial plans, taking advantage of people because they can, and really they they get their land. Mm-hmm. 
And Nehemiah is alerted of this. He sees the problem. And it's like he has to stop work on the wall. Time out. We've got a problem. We have to take care of it. And uh, I don't think that uh, he could avoid it any longer because the people are just crying out. And uh, so it has to be resolved. And it's going to take somebody like Nehemiah to, to get this thing resolved because how do you stop uh, people whenever they are using a financial crunch on people? How, how do you stop that? The rich are getting richer. Do you think they want to give, give it back naturally? No way. They don't do that. Never, never are going to do that on their own. But Nehemiah and the people are going to have to respond to biblical principles to resolve this major conflict. Let's, uh, let's have a word with the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for you being such a good God, providing us the rain, providing us the sunshine and everything that is needed. We just go right along and from one season to the next. But you have provided and provided. Your common grace is truly incredible. And then to give us the, the lives that we have. But most importantly, to think that we have been put into your family and uh, we are saved for eternity because of the work of Christ. Lord, help us not ever to forget such... Um, truth and help us learn from Nehemiah and the times that they were in and financial uh, disasters, financial conflicts that even when we struggle sometimes that we would uh, take a look and see how you continue to provide. Uh, You are amazing God and thank you for everything you give us and do for us. In your son's name, amen. Amen. Alright, the first part here is dealing with complaints. Uh, but they're they're good complaints. I mean, they're they're uh, they're honorable complaints. It's not complaining to complain. It, it's, they've gotten to a point where they don't have any defense, and they're not going to have anything left. So he says in uh, verse one. Now there was a great outcry. Kind of make note of that. A great outcry. There's one thing about an outcry, but whenever Scripture amplifies it, you know, when you get adjectives and and such to really try to get you the picture this is a great outcry of the people you know they can't shut up about this and of their wives against their Jewish brothers they bring their complaint of course Nehemiah hears it he definitely heard about it maybe they bring it to him Um, he's a leader he's a leader that has shown some pretty amazing things already to get this wall started but maybe there's some problems he's not aware of. Maybe he didn't know what was going on, but sooner or later he had to. There's no way that he could have missed it. But sometimes there, are, there can be a problem where somebody is in real need or there's something out there and the leaders can be blamed upon because they're not doing anything. And the truth of the matter is they didn't know there was even a need or the other people didn't know there was a need until sometimes it's too late. It's like, wow, why didn't somebody say something? I'm sorry, I didn't know. Sometimes we uh, maybe are not listening, but maybe it might be just that it hasn't been brought out. And uh, so that's, you know, those things have to be done. Somebody has to be making it aware that, hey, there's a need here. Let's uh, let's take care of this. Uh, The people have to be fatigued, don't you think? They've been they're working on the wall, and they really don't have too much time for anything else, and. 
they're there if they have to go about any personal business at all it's just not that much time they are they're drained and it's been relentless and they've had harassment from their the enemies even their their own people that were kind of on the outside that weren't helping them uh, they're poor and they're lacking necessities of life uh, food right now is at a premium it's it's uh it's hard to get um, they're lacking the tax money to be able to pay it I mean we've all probably been there in those situations it's a, it's kind of a scary thing sometimes and when reality hits we have to have the money uh, at a certain time if we don't have it you know we we can lose everything or whatever and of course you know we those those are trying times uh, but there are times when you know we we're still depending on the Lord but they lack the tax money so what do you do well you borrow it well, I'm sure they had a lot of places like Missouri Boulevard has. <laughs> you know, you can't go one block without seeing those. One of them goes out of business, another one pops right up. You know, they just spring up all over the place. <laughs> and those, you know, of course it's for people who can't maybe get a, a, a loan at a bank. They can get it there, but what's the interest there? I bet it is. I bet uh, Could it be as high as 20% possibly? I think it would be more than that. Oh. A lot more than that. That's incredible. And it's like, <laughs> well, it is. How how how's those people ever pay them back? And what happens if you don't pay them back? They take out another loan. What's that? They take out another loan. <laughs> <laughs> to pay that other loan. Right? <laughs> <laughs> take a loan with us. We'll refinance your thing so you can pay us. And then we'll come and get your car yeah. or your kids or whatever. Yeah. Whatever you owe us, we'll take. <laughs> yeah, that's that's when depravity of man really glows. Whenever there is a, nash, or a disaster, let's say a hurricane, let's say tornadoes. Have you ever heard of people that come in there with truckloads of... of uh, water and they sell it I've heard of as much as five dollars a bottle you know and they're taking advantage of that situation where these people don't have any water at all you know they're thirsting to death they have to have it so you know they they have to pay that kind of money and they they've lost everything they've lost their homes and such you hear that over and over the depravity of man is seen on the the national news every night <laughs> it just they're telling on themselves man is but um, anyway, they're drained, they're harassed, uh, borrowing money to pay their taxes, and they're working on the wall. And now they come up here in verse 2. It says, For there were those who said, We are sons and our daughters are many. Therefore, let us get grain that we, we may eat and live. They were working on the wall so much that they didn't really have time to go get any grain if, if they could get it. And uh, this is this is tough, you know. We, we we have to get food from the country, but we have to get this wall up. But there's the enemy out there. It's that's a battle in itself, isn't it? And, but who are the Jewish brothers in verse one? Probably refers to the nobles. Maybe they're the ones who are not doing any work on the wall. Had alliances with the enemies. Remember in chapter three uh, last week we were uh, chapter three verse five. We we took two chapters in last week, but. In chapter three, he had a lot of the uh, the gates and the repairs and such. Um, verse five says, "Moreover, next to him the Tekoites made repairs, but their nobles did not support the work of their masters." The uh, 
they, they weren't supporting uh, the work. They, they weren't working. They weren't doing anything for it at all. Um, and it could be some of those guys there. Uh, we know they're hungry. Uh, there's a famine. They, didn't, they don't have time to work in the fields. And, and they're working on the wall. Verse uh, 3, there were others who said, now here, here's his other complaints, uh, we are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our houses that we might get grain because of the famine. We can't get grain. Our fields are gone. We've mortgaged those away. And you know, just to get some food because of the famine, that's uh, quite a lack that is going on there. Complaint. I think it's a terrible exploitation, a terrible extortion that is happening as we go on through the rest of this chapter. We see that. Verse 4, also there were those who said, we have borrowed money for the king's tax on our fields and our vineyards. If they haven't lost their fields and vineyards, then they're getting taxed to death and they don't have the money to pay for it. So, And if they don't pay their taxes, they're going to lose it. Which is basically kind of, they took out a loan anyway to pay for it. So basically, if they don't pay back their loan, it's their fields anyway. <laughs> and it's going to catch up with them. Yeah. Sooner or later, it's going. It's just like the credit card uh, uh-huh. race that people yeah. have always done, you know. And they, you know, they got credit cards all over the place, and they're doing really good, you know. They go maybe even a few years, mm-hmm. but all of a sudden, boom, <laughs> goes down. <laughs> and it always does. Uh, all the complaints, uh, the financial circumstances, absolutely desperate. Um, paying any kind of amounts of money to anybody that you owe was almost impossible. This is the kind of situation they're in. And Nehemiah is the one that's going to have to figure this out. How's he going to do it? Well, Sounds pretty grim right now. <laughs> very grim. Uh, you know, uh, of course, what is when, when the housing and everything went down, was not 2008? Yeah. Things really looked bleak there. Matter of fact, Larry Burkett Back in the '90s, some of you might remember Larry Burkett. You know, he was—he was warning people what can happen and what will happen if, if things don't change. And and Ron Blue, and, and Ron Blue yeah. all of them were doing the same. Yeah. Dave Ramsey. I'm sure he's probably saying along the, the same lines. He, he's saying use wisdom in the, the spending of your money, and of course at the same time, that, you know, people get into quite a fix. But it's amazing how this country still most of the people have their heads above the water. You know, they, we might complain. You know, well, we're not making enough, and we're paying too much taxes. It's, this all sounds like the same kind of stuff right here, doesn't it? Uh, of course, there are there are famines. Some people do a lot worse than others. Some do really, really good as they take advantage of the uh, poor people. But I don't want to throw us off course. But while we're talking about money, uh, Brandon House and his Worldview Weekend Ministries—they're all about uh, sort of spreading the, the news about you know how our currency will be devalued to the point where it will no longer mean anything, and we need to go to like investing in gold and silver and actual, you know, standards of, of money. Uh, 
what do you think about that? Like, what are we to think of that? I've been saying for years, it's probably a very wise investment. Really? I, um, yeah, it's it, that's it's real. It's it's yeah. something that's that's not puffed up. And of course, our economy. You know, I'm not an expert at all. Who am I to talk about anything like that? But at the same time, we know that eventually, it's just like credit card spending. It's going to catch up, right. and we're in so much debt. You know, this we keep nation. Printing money when we're in debt. There's nothing there to back it up. What, how is that credible? You know. That's yeah, all fluff. Yeah. It's nothing. Nothing really there. That you know that housing thing that that really crunched. It seems like there's kind of a build back up again, you know, and everything. Yeah, but was, that was all about doing loans to people that couldn't afford those loans. But yeah. the government set it up to sit there and said to do give those people those loans, mm-hmm. and they didn't have the money to have that kind of loan to have that kind of house. So they want the housing market to boom, and by that, but they also destroyed. Later, it came. There's nobody. Nobody had the money to pay those loans when it came time for the loans to be paid, though, yep. too. That's what happened. It was all flat. It really wasn't real. Yeah. So, anyway, you know, it, there you go again. You have exploitation there. You have extortion. Um, it's a travesty whenever the rich oppresses the poor. Well, they always have, haven't they? They always will. Uh, until Christ comes back, uh, He'll make it different in, the, in, the, in that... Uh, the golden kingdom, right? Whenever he comes back, boy, he will change things. There will not be that kind of depravity anymore. And we'll look forward to that, don't we? The desperation that was there, just trying to make you feel it. You know, I keep, I keep saying it, repeat it, and I was, I'm doing that for myself. Because when, whenever you have to sell your own children into slavery, just think about that for a moment. Um, looking at Avell there, can you imagine your two little girls, and you owe a lot of money, and if you don't do, so, your your life might be at stake well, too. They can have whatever they want. They can have whatever I have, but you know, God will provide. But I know I think the idea of what was going on there is that they did they were unable I know even your mom talked about it that going through the depression that they were unable to feed their kids so if they would go work for somebody else right. at least that person had money that they would not like, guarantee that they'd be eating even if they had to work for the rest of their life to them at least they knew that they would have some kind of substance than what they were being able, they had nothing to give to their kids. Right. So, what your kids starve to death, or do you put them into slavery? So, right. at least you have a better chance for them to be provided for. Um, That's kind of in the that. It uh, just brought to mind a story that I heard from David Platt, who over in, uh, where was it? Nepal. Yep. Over in Nepal, he had walked through villages uh, where children get sold into the sex market, the sex slavery market. And and the people that come into the towns and buy these children uh, and then the families that sell them are doing so out of provision because they, they, they're getting promised that, oh, we'll take care of your daughter for you. You know, uh, you don't have any money. We'll give you $100, which is like, you know, you know, two thousand, you know, mucho money, uh, and 
we'll be able to feed them and they'll have nice clothes and all this and then you and then you go to where the brothels where they're at and they you know and he described what happened it, it, kind of, it kind of reminds me of Isu how you know he was hungry and starving and he goes to his brother and he has he tells yeah. inheritance so it's birthright yeah mm-hmm. and then um, something you said earlier about the people giving warnings like white people I was reading Ecclesiastes today and um I was in chapter 9 and I came across verse 11 uh, chapter 9 verse 14 it says there was a city and this is when he's telling him about the story of a poor man who was wise and how he had the ability to save the city from this king who was coming to destroy him and I guess they didn't heed his warning because he was a poor man they saw his, his poverty instead of the wisdom that he could provide and that kind of reminds me of when you spoke about people giving warnings and then not listening because of yes. their circumstances or their situation. So, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and Nehemiah just kind of steps in with where where that's at, you know, right. being somebody that's going to be able to give the wisdom and come from God's angle. Yeah, that human trafficking, that's a huge thing all across the world. And we think, well... I, it surely can't be too much here in America, is it? Oh, it is. Kansas City is one of the uh, kingpin cities. They got powerful gangsters. Sure do. I think we have been so protected in in a way, you know, living here in mid. Missouri and Jefferson oh, yeah. City. Of course, there's all sorts of crime and things, really bad things going on. But boy, it, we've been protected though too. But the, some of the things that are happening, and mankind is not not nice. Uh, and there's the bubbles, there's the financial bubble and the protection bubble, which is a lot of cover up. Oh, this stuff is happening, but we're going to focus on this. There's a, there's a big event, this big oil spill, but we're going to focus on this tire getting shot. We're going to make this tire Oh, yeah, shot. yeah. Like when the news, they but put the, the pandas on. Yeah. <laughs> the pandas on at the end of the right. news segment. It's like, where did that come from? Do we care about pandas more than people? Yeah, the lion getting yeah. shot in Africa. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, okay, and then you did that. Because they just tell you this dramatic story about something really that happened, and then this hand or this bear or this animal trafficking or this so illegal hunting and stuff and everybody's like oh poor animals yeah our animals. real quick what's happened before that real quick back to uh, the human trafficking uh, our mom did a paper about that subject and how it was uh, the p- name of the paper was called Unholy Toledo because Toledo in America is the Place for for that it's number one, uh, and you would never know it. Uh, for trafficking? Uh, yeah. Really, Toledo, yeah. Ohio. Yep, Toledo, Ohio. Huh. Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah. So, what 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 do we see there? We we see that depravity of man. It, it does not care about fellow man. Right. It cares for their own selves. Well, let's see. Um, Verse 5 says, Now our flesh is like the flesh of our brothers, our children like their children. Yet behold, we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves. 
And some of our daughters are forced into bondage already. And we are helpless because our fields and vineyards belong to others. That's the situation. I think they have a right to bring out what's happening. This is complaints, but it's complaints that have to be dealt with. Well, we see number two, and this is how you deal with this biblically. This is a serious situation. Nehemiah, and and remember what I was telling you about, look at how he amplifies the word here. Then I was very angry. Nehemiah, a godly man, angry, very angry. What was he doing? Throwing stuff around? When I had heard their outcry, and by the way, that's a great outcry. He is very angry. So he hears these words. I'm sure he's been maybe hearing bits and pieces. Then he gets all of it and what's really happening uh, out on uh, out in the real world, I guess you could say. And I like this. I like what he does here. What's the first thing that he does? He's very angry. And then what? What? What's the next thing that he does? Verse seven. Right there, right there. Mm-hmm. He took counsel with himself. Okay, he's really angry. I'm sure he's fuming. I mean, and he feels what's happening there. You know, I mean, he's really into this. You know, if you're really angry, sometimes you can, you'll probably just blow up, right, and do the wrong thing. But if we are very angry, haven't sinned yet, but we're very angry. We're, we're compassionate and passionate about this. What's going on? And if we get this anger at the same time, then we start thinking about it. He takes counsel with himself. I I like that. I consulted with myself. Then he contends, but he first makes sure before he goes off that... And, and of course, you say, why didn't he go to the Lord? Well, I'm sure he did. Because you're talking with yourself, and they're saying, okay, Lord, how are we going to handle this now? Okay, you know, it's it's like... Well, the world says, count to ten. (laughs) You know, just you know, think about it. Nehemiah is an example, I think, here of really godly leadership. He could have told these people right here, "Hey, listen, I'm busy. We're doing this wall. Just back off. You know, you're overdoing this. You know, you know, just just, just be quiet. Shut up. Do the work. And we get this done. Then we'll talk later, right? But." No, he he's he knows now what's really going on. He, he realizes the, this problem is significant, and, and the people were upset. Now he's upset. He he interrupts his attention that he's doing the wall. He listens, and he starts help resolving the matter. And he doesn't take much time. It, it, it may surprise some to read here that he got very angry. Um, there can be extremes on the deal with anger. Some think that anger is all wrong and it's it's a sin. And sometimes um, people say, "Well, you know, you should never get angry." And then on the other side, where it says that you know there is to be a righteous anger, yeah. people can take that and they go, with, <laughs> "You know, just have an anger." And I mean, just yeah. you know. And of course, psychology says, "Just let your feeling, just let it come on out." You know, just roll with it. You know, if it's there, just scream and holler and throw stuff at the wall. Just get it out of you. And that's that's what psychology says. 
Right. And, and or they'll say also in psychology, it's it's neither right nor wrong. It's it's just one of those things, you know, that human people human nature that's right, it is human nature. <laughs> but the Bible clearly teaches that most anger is sinful, but there is an anger that's righteous. A righteous indignation. Right. right. Yeah, he really wasn't feeling. He it wasn't at him where it was with them. Right. I mean, could you imagine people being like, what, huh? That's what he would have done with yeah. those trucks that roll in with the water. Yeah. There at the tornado sites. He probably, he probably would have picked up the truck and yeah. thrown it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the exact same thing as taking advantage of people. You know, when they had no right really to do that. But they, well, they were the honor of God, too, also, on top of it. Also. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. We know uh, that, and that's a great example. We we know about Jesus' righteous anger. Um, there was another one too. Um, said, um, Mark three five. Uh, we we know about the temple. That's good. Thank you, Val. You just stole one of my passages oh, I was going to deal with, so we won't have to go with that one. You're welcome. <laughs> no, I like that. That's because that's what we're thinking. We, you know, we're th- yeah. that's what when we read the Bible, we're thinking this. What about this? And what that does is supports what is being said here. Like if we use anger and we say, "Hey, you have a right to get angry," right. just you know, and if we just said that point blank. Then we're not going to get any understanding, but we start thinking about the passages and what it really meant. Then we get support. Scripture supports itself. It doesn't need it, but it's great when we we draw out it. So always be thinking. Yeah, here over here it says this too, and and this, and um, in Mark, uh, what did I say? What did I say? Three five. Somebody have it there. Oh, he did it. You did it. All right, good. Because I do that all the time. You guys ever notice I'll be in, I'll be in the wrong book. <laughs> so, oh, well, that's a good verse, though, you know. But, yeah, now try Mark 3, 5 for us. And he looked around at all of them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the men, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched out, and his hand was restored. Yeah, what's going on here was a Sabbath healing. He healed on the Sabbath. Right. The Pharisees got angry and mad. Can you imagine? That's not a righteous anger. Right. Uh, it's this uh, awful sinful anger. Matter of fact, it's because he was grieved at their hardness of heart. He had anger at that moment. The way that they, you know, there he healed that man. They should have been rejoicing, and um, so they have hardness of heart. Of course, that's when then Jesus heals that man. So there's another case of Jesus having anger. It's a righteous anger. That kind of, I mean, that kind of relates to the passage here in Nehemiah. Because he, Nehemiah gets angry, and instead of like lashing out with anger, 
uses the anger for and that's a good thing if you can use that anger and then turn it around and make it work for good which he does right uh, then anger can be a good thing you know if he didn't have any anger he's not going to go and confront these guys he's not upset about it in um, 426 Ephesians you you all know this one be angry and yet do not sin (laughs) so that means we can be angry but if you let it go to your personal aspect, your personal thinking, that's when we turn it into sin. Because we're angry because of God's holiness and God's righteousness. His justice has, you know, I mean, His righteousness that He is has been, His holiness has been offended. Then that is the kind of anger we have. We, we don't take it in a personal sense, but we, we take it to God. Look at that.
But he knew where the power he gained, he got everything he was doing was because the Lord had made it impossible for him. Yeah. To continue, so I think mean, he's like, okay, so the Lord now let this be brought to my attention too. Now, okay, Lord, you got a plan, you know. Yeah, yeah. he's going to have to exercise uh, every them. every bit of what he got inside of him. That's even to get this one back in order. Definitely think he used the fruit of the spirit there. Um, Proverbs sixteen thirty two. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. If you can rule your spirit or uh, your emotions and such, you're better than one who can take over a city. Powerful. Absolutely. Power, that's power under control, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we're so thankful that God that way with us. <laughs> exactly. And that's what being like Christ is all about. Growing more. Like at one time, you know, Christians just don't have it all together and all of a sudden everything's just magically, everything's perfect, you know. Uh, can Christians have an anger and that's not righteous? Yeah. <laughs> we, I think we probably dis- probably put that on display quite often. <laughs> We'd like to do better with it. But, it is something that as time goes on, we get softened and softened, become more and more gentle. To be a, have a Christ-like spirit, He's conforming us to the image of Jesus Christ. How much have we changed in the last year? How much have we changed in the last five years, ten years? If you go and look back, if you are a believer in Christ, I'll guarantee you, you will see fruit. There, just look back. Just remember, uh, there. You know, that's that's God who's producing fruit, and He will produce the fruit. Some thirtyfold, some fiftyfold, some seven. You know, <laughs> yeah. but there's you know different things in our in our own lives that that He's changing. Um, you know, it's one thing to get angry and and then cool off, and but and do nothing, mm. and that's pretty easy to do, but you know, because it's difficult, isn't it? You know, it's uncomfortable to confront those people who are causing the problems, and and he has to do this. And some of these people could be rich and powerful, or you know, have a lot of sway. Evidently, they did over the people. And so, in seven, after he consulted with himself, and we know that he, you know, he's talking with the Lord too. He does all the way through. But he contended with the nobles and the rulers and said to them, I'm not so sure if they really bought everything that he had when he first came to them. It says they contended with with him. Um, matter of fact, what was it? Oh, boy. Yeah, I'll get to that one. It says he calls a great assembly. That's, that's coming right up. But... He goes to these guys and he says, um, he tells them just exactly what it is. You're exacting usury. It means you are lending money and you are charging interest for it and you are doing something that is absolutely wrong. We don't have usury. In it. Our law does not provide that for you to, you to do. Uh, you know, he just goes right at it and he says, each from his brother and a fellow countryman, fellow Jews, 
and they were doing that. We're not having problems from Sandballot on this and some of the other the enemies out there. It's, it's from the inside, or what you would think would be the inside. Um, and well, it, this could have been a story in Judges almost. In a, in a more ooh, yeah. He's Same thing going on. For Israel, he's setting the standards for having them be held up to the higher And that one, uh, that would have been like. 800 years before this when, when all that was going on. Yeah. And and but it still so, goes on, doesn't it? Yeah. The, you know, God set him up as the uh, as his servant to judge these people you know, to make things right. That's right. And you know, it's got to be going through his mind, well listen, um, they could use their cloud here and this could cause a lot of damage. I mean, it could have. You start thinking about it. It's not that easy just to go up to somebody and start talking. I mean, this is their way of living. This is the way they think is right. You know? So, and so he, he confronts them privately. And I think that's the biblical aspect. Before he brings it before the people, he does like what, uh, what Matthew 18 says. First, if somebody offends you, you first do what? Go and tell somebody else. No. <laughs> No. Wait, you almost tricked me. <laughs> we go right to that person. We don't go to anybody else. We go. It's no, no. You go to them. I don't want to hear it. You go to them, and you tell them what the deal is. And, and that's in Matthew 18. It, it's you know that's that's the church discipline. But Nehemiah is way ahead. Well, that's ever written, but he's using wisdom here. He goes right to them, tells them what the problem is, confronts it, and says, you're, you're mistreating the poor. That's what you're doing. This, this is a sinful thing. Um, I, I think it probably involved... It could have been a single meeting. It could have been multiple meetings. I don't know if they changed that quick. It doesn't say, so I won't read into it. Uh, whether Nehemiah was alone or whether he had some people with him. Maybe he took some trusted leaders with him, but the biblical pattern here is for resolving conflict. If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you've won your brother. But if he doesn't listen to you, take one or two more with you. That's out of Matthew 18. That's hard to do. Huh? That's hard to do. That is a very difficult thing to do. Very. You know, about like that. I just never. It just doesn't work out, you know? That's what we say. And I, I would tend to agree with you and then I say it doesn't matter. Right. Scripture still says to do it. I yeah. know. Most of the time it is it, it often seems like it backfires. Yeah. Or, you know, I, I'm i doing okay, I got it, you know, everything under control. No, it's not. <laughs> the, the sin in the camp, we address it and we let the Lord take it from there. We don't naturally want to do that. I hate confrontation. It's one of the last things I really ever want to do. Uh, I've, I've been there, but... Huh? Oh, Believe me. I heard you say you love controversy. <laughs> <laughs> Not when I'm part of the controversy. <laughs> but the thing is, we also know what Scripture says. 
but they were exacting usury. We have to go to the law. Just we could use. Let's just do the Leviticus passage. Leviticus 25. I can't even say Leviticus tonight. Can you guys say Leviticus? I'm sure it can be said by somebody. I'm not doing a very good job with it. 25 verse 36 and 37. Do not take usurious interest from him, but revere your God. It's about God, even more than the person. That your countrymen may live with you. You shall not give him your silver interest, nor your food for gain. Why? I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. Look, I give you all this land and I am your God. Look what I have given you. I've given you everything. I give you life. And I don't ask for interest. You know, God's, you know, and I like it. I'm the Lord your God. That's why. You, that's probably the best reason. <laughs> you say, yeah, but we can make some money out of that. Now, this is not saying, hey, we need to go to all the bankers in the world and tell them that they should not charge interest. That's, that's a different story. <laughs> Yeah. Is that where mothers got the model for saying, because I'm your mother? <laughs> That's a pretty good reason. No better reason than that. Fear of mom. The fear of mom and the fear of God. You don't have a chance, right? <laughs> you guys realize that, right? <laughs> Okay, the next one. I, this is where. Okay, therefore, evidently they weren't listening to what he was saying. Therefore, I held a great assembly against them. What's that telling you? They're still going to do what they did. And so now you have the whole assembly, and this is just like what we see in Matthew 18. And there they are. They're all there, witnesses and everything. I said to them, we according to our ability, have redeemed our Jewish brothers who were sold to the nations. Nehemiah was part of that. Maybe some other ones. You know, we bought them out. Redeem means to buy out. To buy out of slavery. So that's a beautiful word in the New Testament. Redemption. We were bought out of slavery. Redeemed. S&H green stamps. You redeem your stamps. And you guys probably want... S&H green stamps. What are you talking about? I got a blank mind. Okay. Redeem. When you used to go to the grocery store, they would hand you stamps. Let's go. Kind of like cash back. There you go. Rewards. Rewards cards and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you have it at the theater, probably. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Now, now we're talking. <laughs> I need to get with the time. That's right. Well, they had redemption stores, and they had one here. That's Nate's Green Stamps down there around where that was that uh, meat place uh, across, huh? Weber's. What it was, but it was across the street from over there. Yeah, it's, nobody remembers that because none of them. Nobody was living here at the time. <laughs> okay, I'm really showing my age. Let's keep on going here. Calls a great. Here's what I think James Boyce said, and I really like this. What he said: Did Nehemiah succeed in private? Well, we don't know for sure. Probably not. 
there's no recorded response from the nobles at this point. He goes on to say, So Nehemiah moved to public confrontation. This is where he calls the great assembly. I tend to agree with boys, and then I look at the scripture, and it says, therefore, you know, he had to, he brought them before the people against them. So we redeemed our Jewish brothers who were sold to the nation. Now, would you even sell your brothers that may be sold to us, to other Jews? Would you do that? I mean, oh, he's a great lawyer here too, isn't he, Audrey? I mean, he puts forth a point that yeah. whoa, what would you say? <laughs> I was. Could you use that as an argument? I'm sure he's thought about this. So Nehemiah takes the, the bankers and the people who are giving out the loans, right? And he puts them together and he basically gets all the people and they just kind of... They're all surrounding. <laughs> yeah. It says a great assembly, so all those people working on the wall, they're all there. Yeah. Now, you know, get a picture of that. When I first read this chapter, I go, that's eh, about financial things and, um, you know, money and, and taking advantage. And, you know, we can't really relate to that. And I said, okay, we'll move in with chapter 6 along with this too. Where, you know, you have fighting inside and then fighting outside from the outside. And, and the more you look at this, you go, this is really real. This is, uh, And it's it's really close to, you know, us too. It is. Well, and you notice, like, in the politics today, you know, everyone's fed up with the government, at least looking outside in, uh, from the outside in. And within, nobody's held accountable to each other or to anything. So it's good to see an example of a leader who will actually call out people and, and try and fix things uh, with the intention of doing that. I think a lot of people would really like that. Yeah. They, Objective they, truth here. They did do that um, here recently when um, a lot of the Muslims were migrating into our country. Um, the people responsible for checking them in and taking information, um, they were held, they were brought before like a really big court with like some high authorities and they basically got slammed. They were, the, peop- the judges were like, so where are the numbers? How many people are coming in? How many people are this? How many are this? How many are this? And they go, like, oh, we, we don't have those numbers. And they're like, you don't have those numbers. Oh, you don't have those numbers. And so they just like chewed them upside and down the other, you know. It was pretty cool to watch. Mm. But uh, it was kind of cool. Yeah, like I said, it was kind of cool to watch. Yeah. So I could like visually picture like that kind of happening to these these people who are buying uh, their own people and selling them to slaves and taking, making people pay loans and initial taxes. I mean, with everybody just standing there, like, giving them all of this <laughs> and then being like, well, we don't, well, <laughs> can't defend ourselves against everyone. kind of nice to see when truth mm-hmm. is out and it wins, isn't it? So that's what's happening here. Um, so he asked that question. Then they were silent and could not find a word to say. Jesus did that a lot, didn't he? The Pharisees and such. Again, I said, the thing which you are doing is not good. Should you not walk in the fear of our God? Now he brings it really to the the full aspect of what it's about. You should be fearing God. You know what God says about this. Let me tell you about what it says if you don't. Because of the reproach of the nations, our enemies. I mean, this is an embarrassment to the rest of the nations that we're taking our own people, making them slaves. They're making fun of us. 
And likewise, I, my brothers, and my servants. Okay, I, my brothers, my people all around me, my servant, they're lending them money and grain. Please let us leave off this usury, taking advantage of them. He says, yeah, we lend too, but we're not doing the usury. We're not expecting any interest. Please give back to them this very day their fields, their vineyards, their olive groves, and their houses. You know how much he is talking about? How much have they taken? He says, give it all back. Everything back. Today, right now. Start doing it. Whoa. And everybody is there. I love it. Don't you like don't you like to see justice really take charge? It would be nice to actually see justice take charge. <laughs> <laughs> well it, it 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 does here and it and it can sometimes. It's nice to see it. Also the hundredth part of the money. There the hundredth part doesn't sound much, but that's the one percent a month. That doesn't sound too much. We're talking 12% a year. And of course, some of these people today, 20%, 30%, 40% interest. Whoa! That's just, just sinful. And of the money and of the grain, the new wine, the oil that you're exacting from them. Give it all back. Then they said, after all this, we will give it back and will require nothing from them. We will do exactly as you say. So you know what he says? Uh huh. We're going to take an oath on this because he knows that they're liars too, doesn't he? He knows that they'll, you know, they'll try to get out of this. So I called the priest and took an oath from them that they would do according to this promise. Well, he makes sure. By the way, that's not enough. He not only puts an oath up there, he also pronounces a curse. The next verse. I also, and he does it visibly. He uses a picture here, like the prophets. I also shook out the front of my garment, said, Thus may God shake out every man from his house and from his possessions who does not fulfill this promise. Even thus may be shaken out and emptied. And all the assembly said, Amen. <laughs> Can you imagine the roar they had on that? They're, they're clapping their hands and praising God. They praised the Lord than the people did according to this promise. And this is where they're they're able to finish doing the wall. The people are going and and things are going to you know actually work out of this. Nehemiah is an example. We're just going to kind of read through this. What a personal example of godliness here. And he starts off with this 14th verse. He talks about 12 years. It's like he's looking back in on time on this verse. Moreover, from the day that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year to the 32nd year, that hasn't happened yet, of King Artaxerxes, for 12 years, neither I nor my kinsmen, nobody kin to me, me, have eaten the governor's food allowance. What's that? Everybody back then, the governors beforehand, would always take the king's allowance for food. He would, he would eat that, and all the people in the court, all the people leading, they would get the food from the king. Well, how could the king afford to do that? He would tax the people, Right? He says, I ne- in all the 12 years of the governor, I never took a cent from the king. 
That's what he's saying. He, that's what he puts forth. He's, and, and all the people around me didn't do it either. But the former governors who were before me laid burdens on the people, taxes, and took from them bread and wine besides 40 shekels of silver. Even their servants domineered the people. But I did not do so because of why? The fear of God. Could he have done it and done it legally? Yes. He says, I didn't do it because I feared God. He took God's Word to be everything to him. That's how he led. I also have applied myself to the work on this wall. And there's a leader that went out and wasn't afraid to get his hands dirty. He went out and did it right with them. Somebody said, well, he should be up there in, in some kind of a palace or doing, you know, calling the shots. But not getting down there with the people. That's exactly what he did. And he says he didn't buy any land. This man was rich. Nehemiah was loaded. He could have bought up at the price that land was. He could have got it for almost nothing. Don't tell the prosperity preachers that. <laughs> That's right, Dave. <laughs> they got their jet. They got to take care of this. What does Nehemiah do? He doesn't. He doesn't take advantage of the. He doesn't even ask it from him, does he? He says, "Oh, yeah." And he he got paid very well the job that he had. It's not that he came to this country poor and uh, you know he didn't have anything. No, he had been very blessed, very blessed, and that's that's a good thing. Because what he does, he shares it. He says, all my servants were gathered there for the work. I did it. All my people around me, they were working there. Moreover, there were at my table. And here's he fed 150 Jews and officials, not to mention those who came from the other nations that were around us, sometimes ambassadors or people that they'd be entertaining as guests. And so 150 he fed every day out of his own pocket. It's incredible. He was very wealthy. And he, shared, he did with the money that we're supposed to do. He didn't keep it to himself. And he, and he, spread, and he didn't take advantage of them. He could have bought up all the land around there. You know, and that's what people do when they see they can seize on people at that time when people were losing their houses. People are going in and buying those houses for almost next to nothing compared to what it had been. Five hundred thousand dollar homes were going for one hundred and fifty thousand in Houston. People come in there just buying them up. You know, and of course, all of that was there again. It's they came, uh, now that which was prepared for each day was one ox. Six choice sheep, also birds were prepared for me, and once in ten days all sorts of wine were furnished in abundance. Yet for all this, I did not demand the governor's food allowance because I didn't want you guys to get taxed. We don't need any taxes. You guys are having a hard enough time. I didn't take advantage of that. I could have, but I didn't. And that's what he, you know, he, he says, looking back on those years he was there. Because uh, the servitude was heavy on this people. Number 19, uh, verse 19. Uh, we close with this. And what do we close with? It's a prayer. <laughs> Remember how Nehemiah, in almost every chapter, we see him praying? Mm-hmm. You know, And there's a lot of times it's not mentioning when he does. But here it says, Remember me, O oh my God, for good, 
according to all that I have done for this people. Now, he knew that he did it in the strength of the Lord. God had blessed him. So you can say, what about that qualification? Why isn't that there? Well, he, we've seen the character and, and who he is, and he knows he's relying on the strength of the Lord, right? matter of fact, I think in Nehemiah, we have a passage dealing with the strength of the Lord. <laughs> right? He knows where that comes from. Remember me, O God, for good according to all that I've done for this people. I didn't take advantage of them. I gave to them. I didn't expect things back. You know, and, and, and so, uh, I think he is a, a supreme example for um, godly people. And he feared God, and he was concerned about the people, the servitude that was on them. I think he's quite a servant of God himself. And, um, he has integrity. Very much integrity. God has really used him. You know, uh, he uh, uh, he's very generous and mm-hmm. uh, has a uh, just has a you know a leader's a good leader's uh, instincts. He was God centered, wasn't he? And that's the life of God in the soul. That's right. Well, he's not, and whenever he holds these people accountable, you know, don't you fear the Lord? That's why he's telling them, because he fears God. It's like everything he's doing is out of fear for God and reverence for God. And he wants them right. to fear God too, and we will see right. that happen. Right. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Right. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fear of the Lord is the way to live the Christ-like life, isn't it? Yeah. Plus, he's got a track record there. He kind of gives his resume, <laughs> and you know, not out of boasting, right? But. He's, he's just stating the facts, you know, that God prepared him to be this, uh, you know, to do this task uh, out of the fact that he did have integrity and walked this way through those years, uh, you know, always being consistent, always being selfless, um, you know, doing things according to what God would have him do. And kind of like Daniel, uh, Daniel kind of like a, you know, Yeah, he's putting a, really a same kind of a position where he was put up into a, a foreign land and a, yeah. a high position. Yeah. Very much like that. Nehemiah, then, how can we sum up it? He exercised righteous anger. He did it under control, right? He confronted those, biblically, who were at fault. He set a godly personal example. And I think as we, we look at that, we can say, uh, well, he could have just said, uh, well, that's wonderful. Um, look, they, they, they're giving back the money and they're doing all this. And Nehemiah didn't just say, hey, God bless you. <laughs> he did something else that, that leaders have to do. And it, 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 We see it in 19. Remember me, oh my God, for good, according to all that I have done for those people. In chapter 13, verse 14, look at this. In this chapter, in this in the last chapter, Verse 14, three times. Remember me for this, O my God, and do not blot out my loyal deeds which I perform for the house of my God and its services 
and in verse uh, 22, or I command the Levites that they should purify themselves, come and gave you a sanctified Sabbath day. For this also, remember me, O my God, and have compassion on me according to the greatness of your loving kindness. Boy, he's going to get a lot of compassion because God has a lot of loving kindness. And then the very last verse, last sentence of Nehemiah, remember me, O my God, for good. Constantly, and, you know, and it's not that God's going to forget. What about Nehemiah? What did he do? But he wants everything that God wants to give him. You know, and to be able to, he's blessed. He wants to bless the people. He sure did. But boy, it is the cost. It's the cost. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for your people. It is precious to be among your people and just kind of centering around your word, focusing on you and sharing the thoughts that you put into our minds, our hearts, that we be edified and that you be glorified most of all. Thank you for Nehemiah and how you used him. May our souls be just filled with godly thinking and acting, being filled with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.